When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the 10th episode of Best Ball Bros. Every Wednesday for a while now, I've been bringing on different personalities, experts, characters from the fantasy sports in, um, industry, definitely best ball focused, but fantasy sports in general. And I was thinking about it, and I'm super excited for this summer. The show has been a ton of fun. It's been one of my favorites. The community is growing. These contests we're getting in the best ball space are absolutely insane. But I'm hosting the show on Wednesdays. And I haven't done it myself. I'm asking all these other people to share their past stories, how they got into fantasy sports, maybe some personal aspects of their life. And I haven't done it myself. So today, going off going off uh, the beaten path a little bit, just me, solo, riding solo today, Eric Beinfor. On an episode of Best Ball Bros, bring your questions, comments, feedback, anything. It's all welcome. I'm excited to get into it with you guys and uh, chop it up for an hour or so. Let's do it. <sighs> welcome to another episode of Best Ball Bros. Give me your click, but you don't have to listen. Oh, you had Gabriel Davis at 67%. Oh, sweetie, that's so hot. Can I curse on the show? Absolutely. I was so fucking bad. How can I lose? And the answer was by starting Allen Robinson over <laughs> Jamar Chase. Well, last year, kind of attached myself to Trey Sermon, which hasn't worked <laughs> out too well. Bill, if you ever listen to this, I love you. He's just such a boomer now that it's painful. Mm-hmm. I did think I was going to play in the NBA uh, when I was like six. I'm going to tell Evan Silva their boy. Went to the bathroom and just like told Evan, hey, man, this is the top 15. People yeah. love the life hacks. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love the new intro video. Shout out Rob Coakley at King Coakley on Twitter for putting together the new intro video. So the first question that I've started asking everybody, I wish I would have done this from the very, very beginning. So maybe we'll have to bring on the first couple of uh, folks that we had on um, for this you know, series, if you will. But the first question I've been asking everybody is what's the worst fantasy take you've ever had right we all like to talk about the good stuff but um it's a little more fun to kind of clown on ourselves. in the intro you saw at least one of them hayden talking about uh he attached this brand you know first year at underdog and attaching the brand to uh trey sermon who was one of maybe one of the biggest busts of the entire <laughs> year so shout out to hayden for uh uh you know, being willing to kind of talk about that. So for me, the worst and trust, I've been playing fantasy sports. So like from a season long perspective, just like everybody, I don't have some crazy profound story. I don't need to bore you with that, right? Since high school, you've been playing with your buddies, etc. I got really deep into DFS maybe 10 years ago. Something like that, I would probably say about 10 years ago, really started to get into the, the DFS space. So that's where most of my memories from the millions of bad takes that I've had over over the years. But 
specifically in the last couple, when best ball has kind of become a big thing, we had draft. If you play before underdog was draft, right? We've obviously had like MFL tens and such for a while. We had draft. And the big thing I remember about um, that general era is I think it was the year before that. But anyway, I'm trying to look. 2018, one of, I have a couple of, of my horrible takes. One, if you remember the name Alex Collins, this is before, this is really not that long ago either. So this is how, this is how uh, bad I was at uh, like season long fantasy. 2018 Baltimore Ravens. So actually one year before 2017 Baltimore Ravens, Alex Collins comes on down the stretch as the Ravens like featured running back and he's crushing. I should have pulled up the the game logs. He's just absolutely crushing in 2017. (laughs) Does the Irish dancing. I'll go ahead and share. Let me, let me just share some, some Alex Collins uh, game logs Bet you didn't think this is what you're going to get yourself into in the first five minutes of this. huh? So, you know, Alex Collins is on Seattle starting his career. He's a UDFA, I believe, maybe sixth or seventh round pick at best. Ends up, you know, isn't really doing much for the start, but he's look at this, look at the look at this efficiency. Look at his yards, look at this yards per carry. Ignore the fact that he never got any passing game work here. But he comes on for Baltimore, right? Midway through the year. Takes over. You see the star here. So he's the starting running back for the Baltimore Ravens. That's valuable. And he's just smashing, right? 100 yards here, touchdown here, touchdown here, multiple touchdowns here, 100 yards here. And then he's also getting passing game work. I mean, look at that. Seven targets, eight targets, oops, four targets, six targets. Alex Collins is the freaking man. This was, again, before I had any idea what the fuck I was doing in this space. And honestly, some might argue that I still don't. But I was like... I, we didn't know what the running back dead zone, or at least I certainly didn't know what the running back dead zone was in 2018, this next season. But I was like, yep, I'm in. I'm in. I watched him. I, got, I put my film bro hat on, right? I put my hat on. I got real excited to get my hand in the dirt and watch the, watch the tape on Alex Collins. And I was like, this dude can fucking play. He's good. He's not, look at the, the Ravens, the situation. The run game that the Ravens had. He's the lead back. Third round pick, Alex Collins, smash. Gotta have him. Playing a fairly high stakes um, home auction league with a good buddy of mine. That it's actually myself and um, a friend who's a, a few years younger than me that are big into fantasy football. We took over my friend's father's team. They've been playing in this league. It's a bunch of old timers. They've been playing in this league since like before the internet. They used to, you know, get the morning paper and, and write out all the scores and everything like on Monday mornings. Like that's how this type of league and we're like the young guys in the league. And I think that was the first year we came in and we're supposed to be the young hotshot fantasy football experts. And I'm pretty sure it's an auction league. And I'm pretty sure we spent like 
50 or $55 on Alex Collins out of a $200 budget or something. So these guys are, love their running backs. So that's a, you know, it's a, it's a little bit uh, seemingly aggressive, but Alex Collins for the Baltimore Ravens was like, that was my guy. And the next year he was, it was it's a, the running back dead zone thing. It's like drafting Josh Jacobs or David Montgomery or Mike Davis. It was like drafting Mike Davis. Actually, it's probably what it was like. It, it was, it was definitely, it was definitely my Mike Davis moment. The only other one, the honorable mention would be in that first year of draft.com. They had their like best ball championship or whatever they called it back then. And uh, if you remember Andy Isabella, who is still on the Arizona Cardinals. Andy Isabella was a second round pick for the Cardinals. They had Kyler. I was excited about that offense. I was, uh, I was all in Andy Isabella. You think I was smashing like Darrington Evans last year or like, right. You know, like we make fun of people riding like the LaVisca Chenault steam. Andy Isabella went from like undrafted in those to like, he just became this, he was the steam. And I chased that steam all the way up from the 18th round to like the 11th round all summer. I didn't give a shit. And he basically never played. So I apparently have a thing for guys who don't play. Andy Isabella, Trey Lance, Darrington Evans, uh, Alex Collins. And so uh, I've had a lot of bad takes over, over the years. Um, but I, those are the ones that stick out to me as, as the most, the most memorable for sure. David asks, and please feel free to fire any questions in here. I'm obviously here by myself, fell in an hour talking about, uh, me and talking about best ball and talking about fantasy sports and stuff. So if you have questions, comments, feedback, you think spike week sucks, whatever, put them in the, put them in the chat. David says, Eric, I would love to talk about how to draft in rooms with donkeys slash extreme strategies. For example, last night I was in a Best Ball Mania 3 draft next to a guy who drafted nine QBs. <laughs> what do we do about that? He follows up with, I know how to deal with fish at the poker table, but in these drafts, players are out to wreck the room. Uh these players that are out to wreck the room have much more impact on our own constructions, which is definitely true relative to um, poker. And I'm not a poker expert. I know a lot of people came from poker, um, you know, mainly in DFS, but it, probably in this space as, as well. I was more of a huge poker player in high school and then shortly after high school. So like that was, that was like how I made my money in high school. I actually had one buddy and I that would travel all around the area and play poker shout out shout out rob rarig there's a blast from the past for anybody that knows me in person we would go all over the place and play and play cards we were we were i don't know if we were good we were better than the people we were playing against and and did well but that kind of faded for me in late college and after and after college i got into the sports betting space and then into dfs more so it wasn't quite as much of a poker um transition for me david follows up with i ended up drafting Zen. This is crazy. I ended up drafting Zach Wilson 30 picks ahead of ADP. My second quarterback is Teddy Bridgewater. I hope to uh, get sprint benched. This is a really good question where um, it's also one that's, that's uh, an important caveat. I, I promise I'll double back to your specific question, but where people often talk about things like 
you can't reach or you can't do, I mean, not even just like reaching, but like anything, right? Pick a, pick a subject and people draw hard and fast lines. And they say, you, this is the right way to play best ball. And this is the wrong way to play best. Ball. You can't reach, you know, you can't do this. You can't do that because we know what's successful. And then you get into a draft room, right? The, the example that we always use is, is some of the drafts on here where, you know, I'm a little bit more of a wide receiver person. Some, some, some people that also draft with us are a little bit more wide receiver friendly, but obviously our friends over at ship chasing who, you know, we kind of all collectively drove this insane <laughs> wide receiver uh, craze last year, but you get in a ship chasing room and it's like, you can't reach on a wide receiver. Well, if that's your rule that you can't reach on a wide receiver, your team's probably just going to be dead because everyone's taking all the good wide receivers and you do have to have some version of quality at the position and the value is always going to be at the other positions, right? So in this example, at quarterback, there was you were never going to get a quarterback value because one person just took a quarterback every single time, right? They took nine. So you're never going to get that value. And so it is, it's something that honestly, I think you're probably almost not always you're, you're, you're just as frequently going to screw it up as you're going to um, successfully, you know, uh, manipulate that draft. But the big thing for me is it's very similar to like a wide receiver, heavy room or a running back, heavy room really is if you're going to like, you, you still have to build a good team, right? Like you can sit back and laugh like, Oh, ha ha ha. This person took nine wide receivers. His team is dead. But if it if, if, <laughs> took nine quarterbacks, his team is dead. But if but if if you don't even get any quarterbacks on your team, your team is dead too, <laughs> right? So we have to be able to. It's like hopscotch. You have to be able to. You're sitting on the outside, right? And I gotta know when to jump in once. And then probably when to jump in one more time. And the other thing, that's probably just a two quarterback team. No matter how, even if it was Zach Wilson and Kenny Pickett, it would just be a two quarterback team. And I, and I could still structure a team that can win best ball mania three with Zach Wilson and Kenny Pickett. But I can't, you're, you're, you're really iffy, right? With Zach Wilson and, and Teddy Bridgewater, you need an injury just to have a second quarterback. And even then, you know, you're losing points at the position, even with like a Zach Wilson, Wilson breakout. And so um, that's actually one. I'm, I'm really happy that you brought this up because it it's part of what I believe is the thing. The, the one skill that is actually the most important that nobody ever fucking talks about. We talk about all this other shit, right? The zero RB versus robust RB versus Pick a name for hero RB, modified zero bullshit. We talk about all that. We talk about advance rates. We look at last year's data and you say, oh, we can draft four tight ends. We can do this. We can't do that. And none of that shit really matters. Like almost none of it. But what matters is if you can get into a draft room and no matter what happens, draft a good team that has a chance to win, that has win equity, in that tournament period that's that's it it doesn't fucking matter about zero running back it doesn't matter about how many tight ends you draft it doesn't matter about how many quarterbacks you draft we love to pretend like that shit matters because we need something to talk about <laughs> for most of the year but it doesn't fucking matter 
What matters is when I get into that draft room, I can make optimal decisions and create a team that I, I didn't throw away that $25, right? I only get, I've been saying this in, in the Discord, shout out to the Discord. If you have not, if you have not joined, um, it's like one of my favorite things in in like all, all of best ball, the Spike Week Discord. It's totally free. Just go to spikeweek.com and in the header, it is there for you. But like, I've been saying this a lot and I know that there's like a ton of tournaments. And so we think like, oh, I'll just draft another team, right? And that's, and that is true, generally speaking. So like, I'm willing to um, like sometimes try to push it on a player, right? Like I drafted, let's say I draft, I draft Hollywood Brown and I'm at the turn of the next, right? The next turn. And I'm like, I could take, I could take Kyler or there's a guy, Gabe Davis is here. Maybe I really fucking want Gabe Davis and I don't think he's going to come back to me around this turn, but maybe Kyler will. And if I don't get Kyler, it's okay. I can still build a stack. So I'll push it like on that stack. I'm just pulling an example out of my ass, but I'm willing to do that because I know I can still make a good team. But with the quarterback example, it's like I'm playing that game of hopscotch if I put my foot in at the wrong time, I might screw myself. And if I never, if I never get in, I didn't play. I, I can't win the game if I don't actually enter. Right. And so if you have, if you have Mitch Trubisky and Teddy Bridgewater as your quarterbacks, congrats. You were laughing for 35 minutes at your opponent for drafting all these quarterbacks. And he probably has a better chance to advance than you do. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't have like a specific answer on the quarterback thing. There's not like a cookie cutter strategy in my opinion, but what all I will say is that that's what I would be like while I'm doing that draft, I got the phone in my hands or I got my desktop up or whatever. That's what I would be like watching the whole time. Like I don't give a fuck about reaching 30 picks on Zach Wilson in that room. I want to make a good team that can win best ball mania three. Not when you're in that room and you're reading that room, none of the other shit matters and none of it matters. You have to be able to craft a good team. And so um, I, I think it's like an overarching trend that we um, we like love. We're like getting so deep in the weeds now. I mean, shout out to the people doing it. But like we're talking about handcuffing our own like first round running back. Like as a viable strategy. And like I understand what the the, the discussion is or whatever. But like. I believe in like keeping it simple, right? Like the, if, if you're uh, into the cheesy uh, acronyms, like KISS, like keep it simple, stupid. Like, are there maybe some scenarios? I actually think if you're going to do it, you probably want to do it with like CEH and Rojo, not with fucking Christian McCaffrey, not, not with my first round draft. <laughs> uh, but even then it's like, we're, we, we get so deep in the weeds on everything really because we have one season that occurs for a few months and then we have nine months or whatever of thinking about this and looking at stats and looking at data and, and thinking about theories and seeing how people are drafting. And we, we go through all this stuff when in reality, it's just like, dude, just keep it simple. It's really like, we don't have to be like, figure out how to be a good drafter, you know, figure out whatever your X, Y, Z things you think are the edge for that year and figure out, how to be good specifically within that draft and that draft room and like just extrapolate your edge. 
hope that the hope that you know you run good, right? Like Liam won Best Ball Mania last year, drafting probably, you know, I don't know if he drafted 150. I don't I don't think you know there's attrition on drafting 150 teams. You're never gonna draft 150 like probably teams that you want to draft. But like he probably drafted more good teams than the average person did. And he had three things that he was focused in on. And the rest was just being a good drafter. Like the rest of the shit just doesn't really matter. <laughs> you know, there's a ton of nuance to being a good drafter and figuring out where the edges are and the edges are going to change. Right. Why do I do, why do we do daily and weekly content on here? Cause shit is always changing. 18th round Sky Moore is the best pick in the draft. Seventh round Sky Moore might be the worst pick in the draft. I don't know. But we have to figure all that shit out. But um, I think it's it's one of my it's a great example of something I'm something I've been thinking a lot about of something I'm I'm uh, I'm passionate about. Yeah, shout out Tony. Tony knows Rob, of course. We're, uh, we're from the same hometown. For people that don't know, that's a good that's a good segue. For people that don't know, Tony here, aka Felix. I'm always gonna call you Tony. We called you Tony when when uh, we were when we were in high school. I get you go by Felix. You're just gonna have to deal with this. But Tony and I uh, are are the same age. We graduated the same year from the same uh, town called uh, Mascuda, Illinois. It's a little less than ten thousand people. <laughs> outside of about 20 minutes outside of St. Louis. And uh, uh, we, we, we played sports. We were on the same football team. Um, Tony, Tony was a, a, a badass uh, offensive lineman, and uh, he kind of played a little bit all over the place on defense, defensive line and linebacker. But we, uh, we played football together growing up, so it was so funny last year to see him obviously win the, the DraftKings Millie Maker and uh, uh, like, it's just such a small, absolutely insanely small world. That was like, obviously, other than me winning it myself, that was like such a incredible uh, moment. And I'm so happy that he's a part of the community. Let me hit a couple more comments. Robert says, if you're in a room like that and you reach for a QB, it's likely your other picks 100%. It, this, is, this is being a good drafter. Right. It's if you reach for that QB, you reach for Zach Wilson 30 picks ahead of ADP. Your other, your, there's going to be other places to get value as well. It may end up not necessarily being the value that you wanted. Right. You didn't, you're playing that game of hopscotch and you didn't jump in because there was a pick, a wide receiver or whatever in the 11th round that you really wanted. So you didn't feel comfortable diving in for Zach Wilson or Justin Fields or whatever because you preferred to get. You know, I'm making a Kenny Galladay right there, but someone else down the line was also going to be a good value, and you the quarterback was the important part. And right, I'm I'm I don't know the room. I, I wasn't in the draft or whatever, but figuring that out, that balancing act, how to hop in and hop out is is hard. Um, but that's that's it really. That's the story. Here's a good question. Um, hold on. I'm going to come back to that. I want to just want to hit a couple of these. Uh, B. Kurt says, being able to adapt strategy on the fly is the key. 
That's why I love 30 second clocks. I believe I have that advantage on others. Yeah, we talked about this in the Discord too. Uh, I could not possibly agree more with what you just said. And I think um, that's another thing that people talk at a very high level about. Should you do slow drafts versus fast drafts? And the point is, everyone needs to, like the real answer that nobody talks about is you need to fucking figure that out for yourself. Uh, In my personal opinion, I need to do fast drafts. A, because I, um, a shout out to Justin Herzig because I agree with his take on like the mental mental health aspect. For me, I can't have 10, 20, 30, 50, whatever slow drafts going on at once, like on my phone and like kind of eat. I, I just can't do the like, oh, I'll just come back every four, eight hours and make my picks. It makes me feel like I'm always on the clock when I have a bunch of slow drafts going at once. It's just how my brain processes it. And so I can't do them. I'm also lucky enough to work a job that I work from home. I'm sitting here in my home office talking to you guys right now. I work in this space. I just literally have my phone propped up here next to me and I can just be working and have a draft, right? So um, that is uh, part of it for me. The other part of it is what I believe I have, a a skill that I have developed is what we kind of just talked about is, uh, and we also talked to shout out Liam, who did the very first episode of Best Ball Bros. If you don't follow him, you probably do if you're watching this, but at Chesley, I'm on Twitter, winner of Best Ball Mania 2 last year for a million and one dollars. The very first episode that we did of this show, um, he talked about this as well. Now, he is a chess expert. (laughs) So being able to, you know, read and react and think on the fly and make quick, smart decisions is very clearly a skill that he has. But I also believe that it is a skill that I have being from within the draft, knowing the playoff schedule in the back of my head, knowing if you care about bye weeks knowing the bye weeks in the back of your head, being able to know who's going to be available later, right? If I don't take this quarterback here, what backdoor stacks do I have available to me? What options do I have later? Um, knowing the pockets of knowing, okay, I took Travis Kelsey here. Now, now I'm thinking already, you know, 10, 20 picks down the road. Okay. Like, if this happens, then this, right? I'm all, you're always able to think on the fly. And then like that 30 second clock, it never even, it's, it, it doesn't bother you. It's almost like you're like waiting to get on the clock because you know already ahead of time what you're going to do at each pick. I, I, I believe that that is one of the things that I am better at. I don't really believe that I have better player takes than everybody. I think I build structurally good teams, but I don't think like all you guys in the chat are building just as good of structures as I am. Right. All smart. Like everybody that's good in this. Liam is. Tony is. Paul is. Herzig is. Overzet is. Karain is. Everybody. They're all, you know. So are there fish out there that are building bad teams? Of course. We just talked about a nine quarterback team. But I don't have like some drastic edge in structure, in player takes, in any of that. Do I maybe believe on certain examples that I have an edge in some of that? Maybe. But what one skill that I do believe that I have is that I can get into a draft and no matter what happens, I'm going to make a good team. Um, And and a team that I, you know, in a way that I want to do, right. Whether it's week 17, young players, all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm able to make those decisions. And so 
I agree with you. That's what that that's actually why um, I like the fast draft uh, stuff. Totally agree with this, Paul. Trey Lance, one hundred and one. I love that. There's uh, well, I don't love this actually. In case you didn't see, I posted some of this in the Discord, and um, Underdog had a 49ers guy on too. But there's been so much Trey Lance fud going on around, uh, and I've been contributing a little bit to it, but uh, so much Trey Lance fud going on that it's so funny to see uh, a a local San Francisco 49ers beat writer tweeted something about like, basically the Niners have all new coaches. They haven't been at camp, right? Trey Lance, but they're not, they've been at rookie camp. So Trey Lance is not there. Obviously, they've been having like private workouts and stuff. But like none of the coaches have been working with Trey Lance yet. And there's some national national media. And actually, the local media is basically saying like, everything seems good. And the national media is like, oh, my God, Jimmy's on the roster. Can you believe it? And the local guys are like, yeah, we it doesn't matter. They're probably going to try to still try to trade Jimmy. They couldn't trade him because he was hurt and they wanted to, they tried Jimmy wanted to be traded, but national guys are like, Oh my God. And that's what, uh, you know, that, that that's, that's people's concerns, which again, I, I also get, but uh, the Trey Lance stuff is uh, the Trey Lance stuff is funny. Jake said that was a fun interview. Nice guy that won it. Um, I assume you're talking about Tony slash Felix and I totally agree. Great, great person. It's nice. It's nice when the good guys win. It's nice. It's nice when the, uh, when the good guys win. All right. So now I'm going to double back to this question. Tony said, who's one person that you want to interview or work with that you haven't gotten to yet? A good, uh, a good, a good segue. Um, man, that is a good question. So, I'll start with the interview. Man. So someone that I think I'm hoping um, will actually come on here and, and maybe me saying this will get put some good juju out there, but is, uh, is Evan Silva. Um, But he was a, a instrumental piece he is and was an instrumental piece into me being here today and i think he is that for a lot of people and i don't think that a lot of people know kind of just how good of a person and how big of an industry pioneer and how much evan has shaped this entire fantasy football space um, everybody knows him as the big, you know, one of the godfathers of fantasy football. And, uh, also, you know, this little bit of shit talker and, uh, you know, big, big tough guy. And he is a big dude. If you ever meet him, uh, I wouldn't fuck with Evan, but he, uh, he's a great guy. And I, I was lucky enough to, uh, meet Evan a long time ago and he was nothing but, like incredibly friendly and gracious. I mean, David Silva has this way of, this is just what he does. David says, don't let Silva bully you the same way Pete got bullied on the randomizer. Yeah, he did. He got absolutely got completely bullied. And frankly, 
uh, that's probably what Evan would do to me. Um, and he has, and he has earned that right, but it's funny. It's a funny story. Um, and so to, to the second part of your question, Tony, I, I don't, I don't think I have anybody necessarily that I would want to, um, work with, but I, I'll just, I'll just, uh, tell a little bit of story about Evan and how kind of I met, uh, met Evan and, and, and kind of got into this <clears throat> entire space. So uh, we'll just go to the very beginning too much. It's a long, long way that we got to even to this Evan Silva point. So I started working at, uh, out of college. I started working at, uh, Boeing actually I have a finance degree which most people would probably never guess that I was a finance bro. But I started working in finance at Boeing out of college. And fairly shortly thereafter, I realized that I did not like big corporate finance, but I was supporting my role as a financial analyst at Boeing was actually supporting uh, one of the analytics organizations. Now, this is 12 years ago. <laughs> so I, I just turned 34 and I was 22 when I started there. So this is about 12 years ago. I worked at uh, uh, Boeing until I was, anyway, not important. But I was supporting this analytics organization. And as I'm figuring out that I didn't really love the corporate side um, of finance specifically, I bounced around to a couple of different jobs. Like I, I supported the F-15 program. Um, I supported the tanker program. I supported some different programs. I tried it out uh, within finance for quite a while and it just wasn't for me. And that experience with the analytics group and the business intelligence group was like always stuck with me. And I had a great relationship with the people that I worked with there. So I ended up taking a job there and it was like a life changing job for me. Basically, I learned so much. It was one of the best jobs I've ever had. Um, and so I developed what I think is a lot of my the way I think about things from an analytical sense, from a data sense, uh, you guys see me very frequently kind of poking fun at some of the, uh, or, or shitting on, frankly, some of the um, data analysis that people in our space do. But um, that's, that's one thing I'm, I'm not going to waver on. I stand by firmly. And a lot of it comes from that experience. I, I, I was doing like project management work. I worked my way up to basically like a, a chief of staff of one of our analytics organizations, our, one of the analytics organizations at, uh, at Boeing. And I was like managing like data science projects and stuff. And so um, that helped shape a lot of how I think about things. Um, not necessarily like led me to this point, but that those, however many years like shaped how I go through the process of analyzing stuff. And I think it's different from how I, I would almost guarantee it's different based on what I'm seeing from people around the space. Um, because of what I learned from like people that have forgotten more about analytics than I'll ever know <laughs> that I'm working with, you know? And so these people are brilliant, you know, like, I mean, they're data scientists at, at Boeing, they're analyzing sensor data on F-15s and shit that like, I, you know, it, that's so far out of our, uh, you know, simple brained fantasy football minds. Uh, yeah. This is funny. Never heard, never heard our at a, at always they or, or there. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
I don't have any like super strong uh, uh, like uh, ties to it or whatever. It was a probably just a uh, a slip. But so I'm doing that right. I'm loving it. Um, what actually happened is um, I I I got married fairly early, and uh, that did not work out. Um, so we end up getting divorced um fairly fairly quickly it was not a long it was not a long marriage and um after that i think i was largely kind of like i I think i always had kind of this like startup bug in me and this like new thing and new project right like this spike week thing and and uh, something i'll get to that i that i worked on before but i think that kind of life changing moment that I had at a relatively young age was uh, like kind of led to me wanting something to sink my teeth into. And like I said, I think I always had that startup bug in me. And so um, I had an idea, something that I had been thinking about for quite a while. And I think that kind of life-changing event motivated me to really just go for it. <clears throat> and so I end up leaving Boeing to found a startup that's called, that was called, uh, I don't have one of the, I still have some of these. Uh, you can actually, if you see it in the background over here, where the USA hat down here, where I'm pointing, those little, uh, like stress ball looking things. They're from the startup that I founded a long time ago called Slurve, S-L-U-R-V. And basically what it was, was Slack or Discord for fantasy sports. Back then, there were like these Discord, like I, I promote the Discord on every single one of these shows that I, that I do. That didn't, that it didn't exist. There was no Discord. I don't. I don't even know if Slack. I don't even think Slack was around yet. Slack might have just like those are the very early days of Slack. Discord wasn't really around yet, and even then, no one was using those things for like online communities. And I thought that the community aspect, like as we're th- th- what we're doing right now here, is like a big part of the community aspect, and that chat community was part of what was like the future of, of all this and nobody was doing it. And so we set out to build um, this. It, it was basically Slack or Discord, but specifically for fantasy sports um, because that was my passion. I had, like I said, I had gotten big into DFS at that time. I was still big into, into season long. I'd finally ha- started to have a little bit of success in, in DFS at that time. And so I, you know, go down this startup path me and two two of my friends for uh what ended up being a couple of years and during that time um we had basically built the product and started pitching some of the companies from within the industry on like would you like to use this and back then if you remember if you if you were in the dfs streets Roto Grinders, who, you know, now employs me, had forums, which no longer exist, just recently got shut down. Roto Grinders had forums 
and they had this old school little chat box on like the the show page on the media page and that was it there was no like i said there was no discord there was no slack and that's how any company was really they had maybe, maybe had forums or really shitty like aol instant messenger looking chat features right uh, and so we had built something much more similar to basically what Discord is today with some like integrations from within the fantasy space. And um, uh, the team at Roto-Grinders was actually interested. And we started down the path of uh, uh, building something for them, implementing our product into the Roto-Grinders uh, website. So we start down that path. I get to know some of the people at RG, mainly um, former CEO Cal Spears and uh, CTO Riley Bryant. And uh, they were having back then what was, the, I think it was the first and only DFS Players Conference in New York. And they needed uh, companies to like rent booths and stuff, right? They had like a, you know, so they had like, Matthew Barry was there uh, and they had a bunch of like the best DFS players giving like, you know, uh, not class lectures, whatever the hell you want to call it. And like they had corporate booths and stuff. And I'll never forget this because it's so funny. I really don't remember most of the booths, but we got one because we were obviously trying to promote our product. We had started to develop a relationship with Roto-Grinders and uh, our booth was next to StatMuse. If you're aware of who StatMuse is in the product StatMuse, we uh, StatMuse is huge now, absolutely massive. And this is like when they had like first launched. They were tiny. No one knew who they were either. And there's us, <laughs> me and my two buddies, and no one knows who the fuck we are. And there's the StatMuse company, and no one knows who the fuck we are, or who the fuck they are. And and I've, we we did not make it. I shocker. I mean, I'm, I'm here and you never heard of this product that I, that I built before, but, uh, we're next to stat muse. Uh, so that was, that was, that was pretty funny. And no one went to the fucking stat muse booth, by the way, they did come to ours. Uh, but that from at, at that conference before, before the conference, I had just like cold messaged Evan Silva. This is, I promise you, I'm bringing it back to Silva just like straight up cold message. Cause what we were trying to do was bring in basically we we're going to pay some of the people in, uh, in the fantasy sports space to like do some shows or do some content or whatever. Um, honestly, extremely similar to what underdog is doing right now, right? Underdog has their product and then they have their content wing like Josh and Hayden and Trill and all these guys, Wob and they're, they're paying them as, as their, their content wing and it drives people to their, to their product. Right. So we had actually set down that very similar path. We had, um, we ended up having fantasy football shows and uh, Silva was one of the first people that I, I, I reached out to, I cold message Evan Silva and uh, our Adam, you know, his DMS aren't open on Twitter. I just at Evan Silva. Hey, got this project, whatever. want to see if you would be interested. Like, I, you know, there's random me with 300 followers or whatever on Twitter. Like nobody fucking knows who I am. Nobody gives a shit. I'm like, Hey, I got this startup. 
think you might be interested, whatever. It's fully expecting that not to, it, nothing, to amount to nothing. Five minutes later, he DMs me his phone number. This is all he says. Whatever, whatever his phone number is. 217-670, blah, blah, blah. Call me. That's it. So there's, you know, dumb young me with my startup. Like Evan is like the, the crown jewel of getting one of these guys to come help, you know, uh, be a part of this product. And he's just like, yeah, call me, dude. We talked for a half hour or something like that. I told him what we were trying to do. And he was like, yep, I'm in. I'll do, uh, I'll help, you know, I'll help in any way that I can help. And so he actually did, he actually did shows. We had Silva and Davis Maddock. Adam Levitan back then, before he was who he is now today. Chris Raybon, um, Jeff Ulrich. We had the Fantasy Football Degenerates guys back when it was uh, Kenny, Brad, and Zach, if you follow if you follow those guys. And so it's come full circle. So um, that whole thing, like I said, ended up just not working out. We couldn't quite get the tech to where we wanted to be and get the financial model to where we wanted to be. So that, that thing did not work out, but all of this and Evan, Evan kind of helping me in those early stages and everything ended up leading me to um, getting to know my, what is now former boss Cal Spears fairly well and uh, him ending up bringing me on at Rota grinders there after my startup did not, did not, uh, did not succeed. And so long winded way of saying people like Evan are, are, uh, gold mines in, uh, in this entire, in this entire space. And I wouldn't be where I was without him. And I know a lot of other people had Josh Norris on, had Hayden on, had, uh, have talked to many other people that would not be where they are without Evan. So, um, that's that's pretty much how I got to be where we are today, right? Well, I started in the rotor grinder space doing DFS stuff, project management actually. Move from the product side to to content, and then from the DFS content side of things to baseball, and here we are, SpikeWeek.com. Like and subscribe, all that stupid bullshit that everybody says. I fucking hate that. Don't you hate that? As a, somebody, has anyone ever said on a show that you listen to on YouTube or watch whatever? Has anyone ever said, "Hey, oh, do us a favor and like and subscribe, like like this video and subscribe to the channel"? Has anyone ever said that on a show when you were like, "Oh yeah, he's so fucking right. I got it." Let's like and subscribe. Like, I appreciate when the people in the chat are like, hey, do it like organically kind of kind of doing it. It's it's so it's it's so bad. I don't think it works. I don't think that there's evidence that it works. If you create good content, I'm not saying I fucking create good content, but I'm saying if you create good content that people like, they'll like and subscribe (laughs) begging for it not my thing not my thing see look at that do the reverse psychology that's how you get them reverse psychology (laughs) 
See, again, reverse psychology. I got Rob in the chat to do it for me, and I got Pang's picks to do it while telling him not to. I literally said it's fucking stupid that people say like and subscribe, and he was like, he's right, and he clicked like. But I bet you, I bet you that video he watched yesterday, where the guy said, "Oh, please, please like my video." I bet you he didn't like it. I don't. I have never in my life, because someone said like and subscribe, liked or subscribed. Maybe I'm just a dick. Well, I know I'm just a dick. But that's one of the most absurd things that people do in this in this space. How many hours? <laughs> How many uh, out? Uh, a, a lot of the uh, top top YouTubes uh, have implemented new ways of doing this. So to answer this question, how many hours did you research the like and subscribe thing? Not, uh, not not as many as uh, the uh, the the kings of uh, engagement farming, but um, I have looked into it, and uh, you'll actually notice some of the uh, some of the best. <laughs> Uh, it, it's not something that people do as much anymore. People started it, started doing it because uh, people don't fucking know any better. You think it's what you're supposed to do. It's kind of like drafting running backs in the first round. Everybody does it, and like you don't feel comfortable if like everybody else is doing it, and and like you don't feel comfortable with Tony Pollard as your first running back. Like, well, everybody else is doing this thing, and I don't really like that feeling. Tony Pollard, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, that's my first running back. Miles Sanders, Miles Sanders didn't even fucking score a touchdown last year. How can he be my RB1? Give me Derrick Henry. Just give me Derrick Henry in the first round. And so it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. The like the like and subscribe. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why this got me. I don't know why this got me. Put a, I put a sandwich in the microwave for sixty seconds, and my research shows that it heated up exactly. Yeah, Sir Shibe says dislike and unsubscribe. Please don't actually do that. But I really, honestly, if you don't like, so here's a business. If if you're trying to strictly make money, like. Like, like Rob says, you're trying to make millions of dollars on YouTube, which apparently uh, uh, certain people that definitely don't have enough views to make you millions on YouTube. Um, that's what they make. But like this, if you don't like me, you don't like my content, you don't like best ball. The like and subscribe is fucking artificial. How this company will make money is not from getting that one extra like or that one extra sub subscribe from somebody who doesn't actually give a fuck or like what we're doing. It's from true fans who want to be here. I, I want to talk to the people that are you guys here that I'm in the, the chat that I'm looking at that are enjoying this conversation, <laughs> that enjoy best ball, that enjoy the content that we're putting out and want to be a part of this community. Not just because like, trust me, I understand all the bullshit that goes on behind the scenes with YouTube and Google and all that. But like from a, like I would rather have a, right. They talk about like a thousand true fans. I would rather just get my thousand true fans 
and ride or die with those people and maybe slowly creep up from there than like try to artificially uh, increase my YouTube engagement. It's like, I, I mean, maybe, uh, maybe uh, other great question, Terrence. I'll get to it in a second. Uh, maybe other people want to talk on YouTube and stream for the rest of their lives, but even like the best streamers in the world that make millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars, they're like, I, I need an exit strategy. I don't want to, I don't want to stream on YouTube every day for the rest of my life. I love talking to you guys. Okay. I love fantasy football. I love best ball. I don't want to be 65 years old firing up this stream with a fucking backwards hat, backwards snapback on with some lights in the background. Like that shit's not cool. I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? Like, so like, let's build something together. Like you let's like, like I want to build something that you guys like. We can all like build something together. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't, don't want to talk into this microphone for the rest of my life and beg for likes. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Rob does. Rob wants to, Rob wants to, <laughs> Rob wants to sit on YouTube and beg for likes for the rest of his career. That's what he figured out. So Terrence asks, how in the world is Darius Miles your favorite player? There has to be a story there. Yeah, there's definitely a story. So uh, I'm born and raised, like I said, in a uh, suburb of St. Louis, on the Illinois side, actually. Uh, I still live in the area. And... I started to become a basketball fan at a, at a pretty young age. Basketball is actually my first love. I talk a lot more about football. I played college football. Um, I love football. I, uh, football has become a love. But basketball was my first love, undoubtedly. Um, and I think a part of that, why basketball was my first love, was my grandpa was a diehard basketball fan. I don't think there's anyone I've ever met or known or even heard stories of that went to more uh, like high school basketball games than my grandpa did. It was his like it was like his biggest passion. Um, he gardened, <laughs> he had a garden and uh, and drank a lot of beer. That motherfucker was like five, eight, 135 pounds soaking wet and he will drink anyone's ass would have drank anyone's ass under the table. He uh, he was the man. He's pretty much my idol. But seriously, his passion, his probably biggest like hobby thing that he did for fun was go to high school, local St. Louis area high school basketball. And he lived in the same town that I did, Muscoota, Illinois. And um, so as I started to get into basketball, I started playing playing AAU basketball in elementary school, and um getting really into to sports in general. And he was going to tons and tons and tons of games. I would go. I just started. I don't even remember exactly what age it was. I just started going to basketball games with my grandpa. And uh, when I really, really like it, just like clicked for me that I was like, holy shit, this, this sport is even more than I ever really kind of thought because like, you know, back then you have to think, so like I was born in 1988. So we're talking about the nineties here. And like, like, you know, I, I didn't, we didn't grow up with a lot of money. So it's like, you know, the internet wasn't a thing. 
like for fun. I just like played, played outside with my friends and stuff, play basketball, play baseball, play football, soccer, whatever. And so like, you know, like I watched some sports on TV, but like not a ton until kind of this general, like general era, um, which you, you also see. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm rocking a Penny Hardaway shirt and I just got a Penny Hardaway poster in that I just haven't got it up on the wall yet. But um, this like general era when I, you know, in the 90s when I was a kid um, and Darius Miles is from East St. Louis. And if you don't know who Darius Miles is, punch him into the Google machine. But um, he went straight out of high school to the NBA from East St. Louis, Illinois. And, uh, I went, I went and saw him play a bunch of times because he was undoubtedly the best high school basketball player I've ever seen in my life in person. Well, I guess I've watched a few of the kind of pros now, Tatums and such. Um, but, you know, for a long, long, long time, especially, you know, I was going around watching shitty Southern Illinois high school basketball. And it really wasn't that shitty. It's a decent area for basketball. But, you know, the best kids that I was going to see when I was at that young age were like kids that are maybe playing low level D one ball. Like that's the best kids. Right. And then there's this, this dude at East St. Louis, Darius miles. And we go to see him, which is really funny because my grandpa was about it. Like I said, about a five, eight, 135 pound old white dude. Um, and if, if you don't, if you're not familiar with East St. Louis, it's one of the most dangerous, uh, cities, uh, in the world, actually, uh, the, I don't know, I haven't looked in quite a while, but you know, there was a mo there was a time where like per capita, it had the highest murder rate in the world, the world, not the country, the world. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not a, it's not a super, super safe place to be, but my grandpa didn't give a fuck. My grandpa did not care. And me and he took me and him to East St. Louis High School and we sat in the bleachers and we watched <laughs> we watched Darius Miles play. And I was just like as a kid, I'm just like, uh this dude is like not the same as these other players that I've been that I that I've been seeing. And so he like changed like sports for me. Um he was that dude. And then so he goes, he, he goes straight to the NBA at a high school. He gets picked third overall by the Clippers. But then when I'm in high school, I'm 16. I'm, I, I worked at the local finish line uh, in Fairview Heights, Illinois. Again, like you could like throw a stone and hit downtown St. Louis from Fairview Heights. And uh, we have, a, we had a mall. Uh, I guess we technically still have a mall, but I, back when malls were cool, I worked at the mall at a fin at a finish line. Uh, I'm, I'm big into sneakers. I was big into sneakers back then too. And, uh, one day I'm just working and in walks Darius miles. And I was like starstruck. So I sold Darius miles shoes, but the best part of the, that, that story was he, uh, had an entourage with him and one of his buddies goes over and gets, uh, no, it's called Saint. It's called Saint Clair Square in Fairview Heights. Saint Clair Square. Uh, 
he, one of his buddies goes, you, you guys have been to finish lines and shoe source, right? Goes and picks up some Jordans off the wall, brings them over, doesn't say a word because I'm selling Darius Miles some shoes. So I'm like right here, you know, right next to him. And this dude brings over a pair of shoes and is like, what do you think? And D Miles says like, you think you're getting those? And the guy was like, well, what do you think? And this motherfucker just backhanded him in the middle of the fucking store. Like, he's like, go put those fucking shoes back. You're not getting those. And I was just like, this dude's awesome. It's like this guy, this guy was like, he like changed sports for me uh, growing up. And now I just watched him bitch slap one of his <laughs> groupies or whatever. Not groupies, because it was it was a guy. Uh but uh so anyway, Darius Miles Darius Miles uh is awesome. He also uh went through some dark periods. If you haven't if you haven't uh read I'm actually gonna look this up and post this because uh I'm 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 glad you asked because uh it like it like kinda sorta kinda sorta hit hit uh hits home with me but i'm posting this uh also uh, one of my best friends from college works at the players tribune and um, i posted it in the chat a, a players tribune article called what the hell happened to to darius miles and um, it tells his story and i just think it's really good to uh hear the story of you know this guy was mcdonald's all-american straight out of high school to the nba number three overall pick made gobs of money was super like was super popular in the NBA, him and the, him and the Clippers, you know, like made this popular to, you know, two taps to the head, they're dunking, they're going crazy. And uh, even he went through some dark times and uh, like really, really dark times. They're in the article. I won't, I don't spoil it for everybody, but even somebody that, uh, you know, makes a hundred million dollars or whatever can have some really tough times and, and they can bounce back and, um, uh, and, and, and I think that that's, you know, even from, from tough places, you know, he came from a tough place and those kind of things have just always really, um, you know, hit home, hit home with me. I I've had my own, I've had my own, I think, I think everybody probably has, um, I've had my own like downtimes, you know, I talked about, uh, after, you know, so I got divorced at a, at a young age. And, and I actually, um, did okay going through that, but I think it was because I did the startup thing. Like I just like sunk my teeth into something really quickly afterwards and like just went all in on that thing. And like you had fantasy sports and like, I, you know, I, I was working with two of my best friends and like everything was good, you know? So that was like my escape, if you will. And then the slurve thing didn't work. And like, there were moments where I thought it was really gonna work. And when it doesn't, and then I'm like having to like go find another shitty corporate job that I didn't want. Um, I went through my own tough, tough times. Um, I lost a lot of money, like uh, <laughs> playing too much DFS and uh, gambling too much and had some really like, I definitely went through like my own like depression periods and stuff like that. And so seeing other people 
like like we always talk about like these rich and famous and all that like you know seeing them go through it and talk about it and bounce back um it's helpful and it was helpful for me and and i hope anything that that like that like i say or that article or anything you see on twitter from people that you respect like if everybody goes through shit and that's it's just a it's a big thing that i believe in and um if you know anybody goes through anything i i have great friends who have gone through dark periods and uh everybody everybody you know needs a little boost sometimes everybody everybody has the down stretches but knowing that there's other people out there that have gone through it and have bounced back uh i just think i think it's super important and as weird as it is that like me this 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 stupid white kid talking about fantasy sports for a living from Mascuda, Illinois, that the dude is Darius Miles that kind of like helps with helps with that. Um, but in a weird way, uh, in a weird way, that's that's what it is. I haven't read Jay Glazer's book. Nick, what is Jay Glazer's book? I love reading uh, all the different the different sports sports books. I'm about to buy um uh, blood in the garden i still haven't i can't believe i haven't bought it yet i'm as you guys have probably seen and heard now i'm like a huge basketball fan um huge 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 basketball fan uh basketball definitely shaped my life a lot more than uh than 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 even football did um darius miles uh, so i, I have uh, obviously i have the d miles jersey up and then uh, I'm putting up a Penny Penny Hardaway poster. He, that's my that's my D Miles and Penny Hardaway, are my favorite basketball players of all time. Undoubtedly, not like not there's there's not a question. Nobody else is in that in that category. And then Ken Griffey Jr. Ken Griffey Jr. was the baseball player for sure. And then football, I, I didn't really have necessarily like a, as much an individual football player that uh, was like my dude. Um, but it, I, I would say it's Ed Reed. It was Ed Reed. Um, like I played DB, and the way I mean Ed Ed Reed is like the Ken Griffey Jr. of defensive backs, like just doing the shit that other people can't do and playing with that kind of swag, and obviously being on really good winning winning teams. Um, yeah, I know. I gotta. I gotta. It's a. It's a. It's a work in progress. It's a work in progress. Chris Herring. Chris Herring is awesome, and uh, I'm a little upset with myself that I haven't got the I haven't got the book yet. But uh, that's that's such a fun era of of sports in general. And uh, and I wasn't an, I wasn't a Knicks fan or anything like that. So the Blood in the Garden is like on the as a, for anybody that doesn't know, it's about the '90s Knicks, the Patrick Ewing era. Uh, you know, Pat Riley era, <clears throat> etc. 90s Knicks. And uh, the stories are supposedly just absolutely, absolutely awesome. Darius Miles, St. Louis legend. Yeah, unfortunately, um, East St. Louis is still still not great. Oh, my God. Goblar says, I'm going to be in downtown St. Louis this weekend. Any must-visit restaurant recommendations? So depends on what you're looking for. Um so if you're if you're 
if you're looking for like a super nice fancy dinner, I'll be honest with you. It's been several years since I've gone down <laughs> downtown because we had the we had the pandemic for like a nice for like a nice meal, like a super fancy dinner. Our if you like Italian food, our favorite place to go is uh well so it, it's a neighborhood. St. Louis is the downtown area is like really really small, and honestly, most of the best stuff is not downtown. There's like a ton of surrounding neighborhoods. Uh, you know, they all have like specific little names that uh, have all the like, and you go to each neighborhood, they're all very, very different. It's weird. It's a very weird city. Uh, but there's a place called The Hill. Old, like super old school Italian neighborhood. And almost anywhere that you go uh, on The Hill is it's going to be go. It's going to be good. Uh, let, let me look and let me, let me look and see here. Yeah. Charlie Gito's, I guess, I think that was the last place we went. Charlie Gito's Canetto's. I guess I would recommend Charlie Gito's probably as the best, as the best place on the hill. But again, it, that's, that's Italian. Look at this fucking dog. Look at this dog. He's sniffing and hitting his nose on there's the pens in that coffee mug. Griffin, what are you doing? Stop doing that. Rob says Eric's just making video edits of Darius Miles to the St. Louis to the St. Lunatics song Midwest Swing. Uh that album, St. Lunatics, also one of my favorite. <laughs> Groups, Nelly, another influ- influential uh, influential uh, person in, in a St. Louisan's life. Let me see. Oh, the Glazer book is about mental health. I'll have to check it out. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I still got some work to do on the bookshelf, too. But I feel like the dog, the dog picture, my wife got me that dog, dog picture really good yeah uh, tony i literally went uh, there's another thing if you're if you're in the if you're in the oh so two things one uh if you are in the area ski is a a phenomenal local soda it's like a a much 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 better mountain dew and uh yeah so if you're for if you're here if you're here for a boys trip uh i I would recommend soulard the the neighborhood called soulard s-o-u-l-a-r-d it's tons. It's all it is is pubs, bars, you know, more casual restaurants, um, you know, bars and grills type stuff. But uh, some really, 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 really awesome, uh, like pub type places in Soulard. Like just bar crawl it all the way down Soulard. It's easy. It's all walkable. It's a little neighborhood kind of. Uh, it's also very close to like Bush Stadium, the Cardinal Stadium. Uh, and and so like you're still very close to downtown like it's it's very very close to downtown but um that that's where we would go like party and hang out and stuff is in soulard um let me see yeah paul says i remember when d miles came to cleveland i was pumped yeah uh cleveland got uh both of uh the best st louis both you know pre the pre bradley beal and uh, Jason Tatum era St. Louis guys, Cleveland got uh, Larry Hughes and uh, Darius Miles in uh, 
a fairly short short period of time. I almost got there's not a lot of D Miles uh Clippers jerseys around. I mean, there's not only Darius Miles jerseys. I'm one of the only people that wants a freaking Darius Miles jersey. So All right, let me see uh, if I missed any comments. And then uh... <laughs> this is funny. Peng says, uh, this, this is this is pretty true. Peng says, treat St. Louis with Lion King rules. Anything the arch doesn't touch, it's unsafe. Yeah. It's not the world's, it's definitely not the world's uh, safest place. Oh, yeah. If you haven't, uh, Tatum and Larry Hughes are cousins. Uh Here's a here's a recommendation. Go like and subscribe the Knuckleheads podcast, which is Darius Miles and Quentin Richardson, who played together on the Clippers, have a podcast from the eighth season. And if you're if you like the NBA or you just like hearing about stories that uh, you know, like uh, current and former NBA players will tell. Uh, their podcast is uh, an absolute must listen. And they just said, and if you just so happen to be from St. Louis, they just had Larry Hughes on and uh, Larry Hughes is uh, an absolute, an absolute legend. And uh, yeah, Larry and Larry and uh, Tatum's dad uh, also legends. <laughs> Terrence says a better Mountain Dew. Everybody knows a better Mountain Dew is simply more Mountain Dews. Well, that's my point. A better Mountain Dew is ski, and a better Mountain Dew is more skis. David says, I lived in Portland through the whole Darius Miles Blazer era. Not the happiest of times. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, D-Miles dropped 50 in a game for for Portland, which I don't think anybody knows that. 50? 51? 47? Something like that. 50 or almost 50. In, a, in an NBA game. And it was actually for the Portland Trailblazers. He would have been good. He would have been a very good uh, NBA player, but he had knee problems. Don't we all? Yeah, that's, that's a uh, great strategy. Me comparing my knee problems as a six-foot dude to the knee problems of a 6'9 NBA player. But I do have them. Back and knee. My body, like I said, I just turned 34. My body is that of a like 54 my ankle pops basically in every step i take uh my right ankle pops because i've sprained my ankle so many times i've i throw my back out once or twice a year every year my knees are completely shot i still can't like bend one of my fingers uh because i broke my hand when i was young it's bad i'm embarrassed it's embarrassing it's really embarrassing. Yeah, Blazers have some of the most random fifty-point games ever. Mighty Mouse, there's a there's a good one. D Mouse, Andre Miller, Andre Miller. That's a good that's a good name. He came up on one of their most recent podcasts. Um, so anyway, we've talked a lot about random shit and Darius Miles, and so thank you for sticking with me through uh, the <laughs> the bullshit. I I do want to double back before we hop off and talk a little bit about. Best ball, not necessarily best ball for this year, because you're going to hear me talk about that. Uh, oh, a hundred times before the season gets here. But just in general, um, 
this is fucking crazy, man. Like, I don't know what I expected for this. This I don't. I don't. I'm curious what you guys expected. Are you Are you surprised by um, the insane contests that we're seeing? I f- I feel like I was super bullish, <clears throat> and this is even crazier than than I ever would have expected. I posted a tweet. I need to stop tweeting so much because it's hard to go back and find some of these. Um, but I posted this tweet. That says, good Lord. Also, look at this picture. Look at this fucking picture of these clowns. Unbelievable. Um, Oh, sorry. I'm on the Spike Week account. Let's go. Celtics. Son of a bitch, where? Oh, oh, here we go. All right. This is rough math, so excuse any uh, rounding errors. But the total prize pool of NFL best ball contests, again, regular season. This is not even taking into account playoffs. In season contest, none of that is included into here. Last year, it was across all sites, right? The, the main, what I would call all sites underdog, DraftKings, Drafters, and FFPC. Across those four sites last year, total prize pools was about, it was about $9 million. That's a lot. That was almost double. From 2020. Again, across those four sites, it almost doubled last year from 2020. And we thought last year was crazy. There was two different people who won a million dollars and a bunch of other people that won six figures. We thought that was crazy. And then now, it's it was May 16th when I posted this. It's May 18th. And we already have prize pools totaling about $18 million. So we've doubled last year and we're almost 4X the year before. We haven't got any puppies. We haven't got, uh, if FFPC wants to do another contest, you know, we haven't gotten any of that yet. We haven't gotten if DK single entry stuff fills and they run more, which they did last year. We haven't gotten any of that. And we're already double last year and 4X two years ago. It's it's absolutely outrageous. And I think what what we're probably going to need is some, like right now it's just an, it's like a, an arms race kind of. People, like the sites are just flying by the seat of their pants as they probably are being forced to by pretty insane demand and trying to capitalize on um, this insane market. But 
this is definitely true, as Silas says. I'm getting concerned they won't fill. <clears throat> but we're also degenerates. And there will also be people that pile in at the end, right? We'll be like, oh, my God, this thing is only X percent full late. We say that all the fucking time, dude. We say that. We said that about, like, the NHL playoff best ball contest. And the next thing you know, it gets close to full, like, on the last day, right? The NBA – everybody everybody that was – in our Discord, again, shout out the Spike Week Discord that was in the Discord was like, there's no way this NBA playoff contest fills. And like, I actually agreed, but I waited because I'm like, okay, if this is not going to fill and the drafts are going to be really soft at the end. I'm just going to smash all these drafts on like the last day. It filled like three days early, it filled like three days before the contest locked. So not only did it not overlay, it filled way freaking early. And so I'll be interested. I'm going to be really interested to see. Yeah, 100% Silas. Everybody says this is about DFS every night. <laughs> every night, people, oh, my God, look at the overlay. And it doesn't really overlay. I mean, it might kind of overlay, but it's never it's never what uh, what you think, Goblar says. As fast as those puppies are filling last year, it makes sense. And that is 100%. That is 100% true. But um, just to kind of wrap up, I think I'm looking forward to see how this goes. But we're, we're like kind of in the Wild West era of, of best ball. And I think, I mean, just thinking about what next year is going to be is absolutely insane. But what happens for the next three months is kind of going to dictate what we see next year from a timing release of contests. And, and, and maybe I'm... Um, giving too much credit to some of the sites. Like I'm not sure that DraftKings really cares, but you know, from a timing release from a, what kinds of contests we get, right. Um, If all, if like these DK single entry and DK high stakes fill, if underdog fills a bunch of pup $5 puppies, but they don't fill this huge best ball mania, all that is going to change. What kinds, what kinds of contests, the payout structures, the prize pools, and all of that for next year. And so I think we're in this total era of of unknown. But it's that this is also like this. I think this is the best summer to be a best ball player. Like next year, we're not gonna have it figured out by any stretch of the imagination. But mo- much more so than this year. This year was every. All these sites are trying to capitalize on this new. You know, hot. I mean, Drafters has a million dollar contest, and FFPC have the the million dollar contest. Yeah, I never would have thought that. And so, there's there's going to be so much opportunity um, for all of us, and I think next year the sites are going to be smarter. So, it's uh, something something for us to take advantage of. Yeah, Dave says uh, you've seen the DK uh, user interface. They absolutely do not care. No, they don't. And I, and I don't know what their like technical limitations are. They've obviously built the best ball product into their DFS app, which can't be, you know, and the DFS app has been around for a long time for DraftKings, And they just bolted on this best ball app, which is like, it's a, it's, it's a wildly different product. And so I do think, um, I do think, you know, I, I, I understand, trust me, I understand all of the kind of shade that gets thrown towards DraftKings. But I what I will say is what they've done this summer is the single biggest 
spark, you know, fire igniter to best ball that has ever happened. They gave everyone access to a million dollar top prize. They gave you access. Do you want single entry? Do you want high stakes? Do you want a mid, uh, mid-level mid entry, right? $20, whatever. Do you want a super cheap, even cheaper than $5, but 20 max? Do you want whatever you want? DK has it. Underdog doesn't have that right now, right? Drafter certainly doesn't. FFPC certainly doesn't. And so we can throw, like, trust me, I, I don't enjoy drafting on the, the DK app uh, either, but we're getting, we're like, they're feeding us. They're feeding everyone that, you know, I assume people watching or listening to this, uh, you know, are, are, are hardcore and, and very much into this and probably have an edge in any draft that they do. But in the DK stuff, it's a, uh, it's a feeding frenzy. A great a great way to start to summarize. Pang says, I spent 45 minutes watching the stream and my research has shown I know everything about Eric. That's definitely not true. Ask my wife. But but hopefully you know a little bit more about me. To wrap up, I, I did want to have this with just me. And I appreciate you guys hanging out. This was awesome. We've obviously gone over an hour. Uh, but this was awesome. Uh, and I But I wanted to do it because a, we're about to, before we know it, we're going to be in like the true heart of draft season. And we're actually going to have camp and news and all that different shit to talk about. And like, I'm having these interviews with other people on Wednesday. I'm asking, you know, people to show up and watch the streams that I'm doing. Or I'm asking people to chat in the Discord, right? I say, join the Discord every fucking stream that we have but like I, I i it felt disingenuous if i'm not like if i'm willing to be like okay let's bring josh norris on let's bring these guys on let's bring this without me before this some before the craziest best ball summer that we're like ever gonna have without me being like well this is who i am you guys should know me you guys should know my story how the fuck did i get here you know why do I have a goddamn Darius Miles jersey hanging hanging in the background? Right? Like, I mean, the only thing people have really known is like I have dogs and they bark on every stream. You know? And so uh, I felt it was important to share, uh, you know, maybe some of the stupid or funny moments, but also some of the the real the real moments. Like at the end of the day, like we're, we're, we're having streams and conversations about fantasy sport. It's like that part is really not, it's really not that serious. And, but what is to me serious is like, I want to hang up, hang up. I want to sit here and hang out and like shoot the shit with people that are interested in the same thing that I am, but are also interested, right. in like having a real conversation with me and without knowing anything like, how can I expect anybody to like show up and, and, uh, and just like, listen to me if we're not like real with each other, you know what I mean? And like, why the fuck do you have a Darius miles Jersey in the background? <laughs> right. doesn't make any sense. So, uh, I will say, I don't, I don't think this is a bad point. 
Terrence, if they wanted to. I don't think they want to, but if they wanted to, I do agree. Um, so tomorrow is uh, the Best Ball Theory show. Friday will be another draft stream. I don't know yet, to be totally honest, what the subject of tomorrow's stream is going to be. I will post it in the morning when I get all that ironed out. That will be at this same time, 5 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. And Friday will also be at 5 p.m. Eastern. Friday, I believe, we'll be doing a drafters draft. We, we uh, pivoted to a BBM draft because last week we had Liam. The freaking winner of Best Ball Mania 2 on. Got to do an underdog draft. But um going to pivot back to a drafter's draft on Friday. And then um, I think tomorrow we're going to talk a little bit more about Week 17. I think that's the tentative plan, but I don't have it 100%. 100%. I ironed out. Totally agree. Streams are all fun and games. We're all just here to have fun and, and enjoy ourselves. Um Shout out to you guys. Thank you for joining. This was this was an absolute blast. Hope you guys uh, enjoyed it about as much as I did. And uh, as as uh, Rob always says, do not like and, dis- and uh, subscribe. Uh, actually, unlike and unsubscribe. That's stupid. Shout out to everybody from St. Louis. Shout out to Darius Miles. If you ever listen to this, uh, use promo code SPIKE and hit me up. We can uh, go out to lunch or something. But uh, seriously, thanks, guys. Uh, I will catch you tomorrow, 5 p.m. We'll get back into the we'll get back into the the stuff you're probably actually here to talk about, not just uh, this other nonsense we talked about for an hour and a half. Catch you guys later. See ya.